<clears throat> Welcome to the podcast, Let the Prophet Speak. Today we continue our study of the book of Joshua with chapter 7. Um, we just completed chapter in chapter 6 the account of the conquering and destruction of the city of Jericho of Jericho. Um, and at the end, we, we, we read about Joshua's decree that, um, that the entire um, city should be burned and the wealth of the city, uh, the gold, silver, other precious metals, etc., should be put um, in storage for the treasure house of the tabernacle of the Mishkan. And, um, and that no one is allowed to benefit from the, from the uh, booty. Now, um, we pointed out the importance of this in the scheme of the battles to conquer the land of Israel, um, and that the first town that they conquered uh, was done in such a way as to remind the people that the purpose of this conquering is not just any conquering of land, not the same as ed every other invasion that would have taken place in this time period in history of one, one group of people against another, but rather this was something much greater than that. This was something that, that um, was the people of God who are here to bring this message of, of God to the world are conquering this land which is populated by people who are the opposite of everything God stands for, people that lived immoral lives, lives uh, of, of pagan worship, lives of child sacrifice, lives of all kinds, types of awful immoralities and um, unethical behavior. And that monotheism is rep represents a step forward of mankind into, um, into uh, uh, the worship of the one God who demands that we live a moral and just life. Now, <clears throat> therefore, this the, the putting away of the... I'm emphasizing this now because it's important to understand the incident we're going to read about in this chapter that, um, that the, why, what was the importance of dedicating the spoils of the first town conquered to God? Vayimalu v'nei Yisrael, the people of Israel, um, they... Um, to be mo'el means to benefit from something you're not supposed to benefit from. Those that are familiar with Jewish law know the concept of me'ila. Me'ila is when someone benefits from, from consecrated property. So someone benefits from property that was meant to be used for a holy purpose. The people of Israel did. They did not listen to Joshua and they succumbed to the temptation of taking of the wealth. Now, interestingly, it, it is introduced in such a way the people of Israel were mo'el. And then it continues and says, Vayikach, Ochan ben Karmi ben Zavdi ben Zerach, that one man named Ochan, who's the son of Karmi, son of Zavdi, son of Zerach, who was one of the descendants of Lemate Yehuda of the tribe of Judah, Minacherem, he took from the prescribed, uh, the prohibited items, Vayichar Yisrael, and God was angry at the people of Israel. Now, this is fascinating because the, 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 prophet here, Joshua, specifies one person who took. As far as we know at this point, and we'll see later, no one even knew who this person, that this person took anything. He took it privately on his own. But the verse 
introduces this as Vayimalu B'nai Yisrael, the children of Israel, the people of Israel, the entire people sinned because one person sinned, which introduces the concept of known in Hebrew as Kol Yisrael Arevim Zelazeh, all people of Israel are responsible for one another. If one person sins, if one person does something wrong, we're all responsible for each other. We're, we can't just say, oh, that he's the bad guy, not me. If evil exists, it's it, at least in part because we were not um, there for each other when we needed to be. We didn't teach each other proper behavior. We didn't show concern for each other. We didn't we didn't um, treat each other properly. We didn't give each other the things uh, that we needed. And had we fostered a better environment in our community, then our community would not have had that one person sin, that one person do the bad thing. This is a concept which is. Um, uh, a very important concept of Judaism in general, and we see it laid out here very clearly in this verse. Yeshua at this point did not know yet of this this transgression, and he's moving on from Jericho to continue the conquest of the land. So he sent people, messengers out Ha'ai to to a town called Ai, Asher im Beit Oven Mikadam Beitel, which is close to. Uh, another place called Beit Oven, which is east of the town of Beit El, Beit El of uh, Jacob's fame. Vayomer Alehem Lamar, and he said to the men, "Alu v'raglu asarets, I want you to go and uh, spy out the land." And they went and they searched out the next town, I. So basically, again, the same pattern as before, to send a few people to check to, to, for recon, to check out the area, see, find its weaknesses, its strengths, so that they can prepare for battle. By Yeshua, Yeshua, they came back to Joshua, by Yom Reilov, and they told him, Al Ya'al kol ha'am ke'alpayim ish, o kishloshes alafim ish, ya'alu v'yaku the entire nation doesn't need to go to I. We can get this easy. Two, two or three thousand people can go, and we can take down the city of I. Alti Don't bother sending the whole nation Kimatema because they're small. They're a small town. Now, <clears throat> this uh, could smack a little bit of hubris, um, uh, you know, or it could be just a. Uh, a, a good advice. In other words, they're, they're just saying, you know, it's not necessary to mobilize all, all of the entire army uh, to conquer this one, this one small town. Or it could have been that this is that this hubris displayed by these miraglim, by these uh, spies, is um, indicative of the sin that led to Achan, this, which is the sin that led, that, that led to someone thinking that he can get away with taking from the prohibited materials. Um, in other words, the people are starting already to get high on themselves. Start, after they win in Yericho and in, in Jericho, they think, oh, we can do this, we're strong, we're great. But, um, so there are two ways to look at this. Vayalu um, so we're starting to feel Gavo, we're starting to feel hubris uh, leak into the people, which unfortunately became the bane of of the people of Israel for the next several hundred years. Um, so about three thousand people from the nation went by and when they attacked I with this uh, with the small force, 
they ended up having to retreat and getting chased away by the people of Ai. So the people of Ai mounted uh, a defense and uh, they were successful. And approximately 36 soldiers were killed by the people of Ai during this rout. And they chased them back um, um, outside the gate of the city of Ai all the way until a place called Shivarim Vayakum Bamorad and they and they killed them as they fleed. And the heart of the nation, the heart of the people melted, uh, was was uh, the morale had gone down by and it became like water. Their solid heart became like water. So now the people of Israel this what happened to the the big miracles that God performed in Jericho and his big massive victories? We we planned our first assault on our own, and God wasn't there for miracles, and we ended up losing a significant number of soldiers. By Yikrai Yoshua Simotov, and Joshua tore his clothing by Yipol Alponov Artsa, and he fell on his face, prostrated himself on the ground, before the Ark of God. All the way to evening. Presumably, he, he, it seems like he would have fasted all day and prayed. Who visited Israel? He and all of the elders of Israel by Yalu Afar Al Rosham, and they put dirt upon their heads. These are practices that are common in those that are fasting and praying over a calamity. Vayomer Yoshua and Joshua said, Aha, which is an exclamation or like an oi. Adonai Elohim, the Lord our God. Why did you you bring us past over this Jordan River, just in order to put us in the hands of the Amorites? Presumably, I was populated by a group of people that were part of the tribe of the Amorites. Um, just in order to destroy us if had we known this was going to be our fate we could have just stayed on the other side of the Jordan in the lands that we already conquered and settled down and be done why have you brought us here so Joshua feels like God has forsaken him Joshua of course at this point hadn't yet sensed that there was a problem in the midst hadn't yet sensed that the people are no longer have their hearts with God. Otherwise, he, presumably Joshua would have prayed to God and asked the people to repent. But he didn't know they had anything to repent for. At this point, Joshua thinks everyone is moving in the right direction. So it must be because God left them. Be Adonai. Please, God. Ma Omar, what can I say? Now that the people of Israel have turned their necks in front of their uh, uh, enemies. In other words, they've turned their backs and ran. And, and then what's going to happen? The Canaanites are going to hear. All the people in Lebanon. They're going to all congregate against us. Yoshua uh, knew We'll find out later, but he already presumably knew that the people of the land were going to unite against the people of Israel to try to drive them out. They're going to cut off our name, our reputation, our, our existence, from the land. And what's going to be with your great name? In other words, your entire mission here, which is to bring this idea of monotheism to the world through our conquering and settling and building a nation in this land, this entire enterprise is going to be gone. What's going to be with the mission? 
God said to Joshua, Kumlach, get up. Why are you falling in your face? In other words, don't you understand what's going on here? When you fall on your face and you cry and you pray, when that's the last, when when that's all that's left, first what you need to do is fix your problem. To come to God and pray when you have sin in your hand without repentance first is 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 not just a waste, but it's it's um it's corrupt. You have to fix your ways first. You have to be a better person. You need to look into your problems, see what you've done wrong, fix it, and then come and pray to me. Chata Yisrael, the people of Israel have sinned. Become avores Barisi, they have broken my covenant, Asher Tzivisiosom, that I have commanded them. Vigam, and also Lakhum Menacherem, they took from the prohibited items. Vigam Gonvu, and they even stole. Vigam Kichashu, and they lied. Vigam Somu Bichleim, and they placed it in their in their own. They 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 snuck these items and goods into their bags. This is um. It's 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 um. It's interesting here how God says Avru es Berisi, they they. Broke my covenant, Asher TVC Osam, that I have commanded them, and also they took from the Cherem. It almost sounds like there was a sin that preceded that. Exactly what that sin is is not being laid out by the Pasuk. I would personally venture to state that the, the that sin that's referred to here, Alvarez Brisi, is the sin of arrogance. Once they committed the sin of arrogance, then Lakhumina Cherem. They took from the prohibited items. And what does that lead to? That leads to them lying. What, as we know, all you need to do is um, do one sin, which leads up. The Mishnah says, the rabbis teach us, one sin leads to another. Once you steal, you have to hide it. Once you hide, the rabbis um, of Chazal mention here that since this took place on Shabbat, the stealing entailed violating the Sabbath. So what he coveted these items that he was prohibited to take, and then which led to him to have to lie, sin right there, to break Shabbat, sin right there, and of course the covenant itself, and, and walk around with stolen things and benefit from items of Hagdash, items that are, that are meant to be holy and consecrated, sin right there. So one after another after another, one little thing, all he thought when he saw this gold, silver, whatever it was that he coveted, all he thought, well, yeah, I'll take this little thing, who's going to harm it? It's going to harm no one and I'll benefit from it. But it ends up leading to a long list of other problems. And that's what God is saying here. And then they also this, and then they also stole, and they also swore. And I mentioned, of course, the sin of stealing from Hagdash, the sin of stealing from consecrated property. So stealing, lying, breaking the Sabbath, all because of one thing. This is why the people of Israel could not stand in front of their enemies. This is why they had to turn their necks and run from their enemies. Because they, the people of Israel, have now become the Cherem. They are the ones that are forbidden. I'm no longer going to be with you if you don't destroy these prohibited items from within you. Something needs to be done. I am with you when you're with me, God says. You need to fix the problem. Then you can come pray. And that's why God started off this thing saying, why are you praying? Praying isn't going to do squat. 
until you fix the problem. Kim, kum, get up. Make the nation holy. And tell the people, tomorrow you are going to make yourselves holy. We are going to fix this. We are going to purify the camp. Because, so says God, there is something, some, there is items, there are people that within you that are prescribed, that are that are, are, are evil, that are bad, that are wrong. You will no, not be able to stand in front of your enemies until you remove this, until you remove this um, uh, forbidden stuff from within your midst. God is making it very clear that the people's morality, it is in the people's hands. This is the message of the book. Each and every chapter almost brings us a step closer to seeing um, God saying, it is in your hands, it's not in my hands. I'm not here to make big miracles just to make you win battles and win all kinds of things just because you're great and I decided to support you. But I'm doing this because you are supposed to be bearing the message of morality. And the message that Yericho was meant to send to the world was that these people are different. They're not destroying and conquering this land. They're not conquering this city because they want to get rich and wealthy for their own benefit. They're doing this because they have a project. They have to bring God's name into this world. <clears throat> and you're going, in the morning, you're going to go to all the tribes. And then when... <clears throat> um, Apparently there was going to be a process where the um, uh, uh, there would be an indicator by God will indicate which tribe it is that has the problem. Exactly how is not being made clear in this verse. But the people will come before the ark and it will be obvious which, the ark will make it obvious which, which tribe is the source of the problem. And then once we choose the tribe, then the... Um, then the tribe is broken up into its families. It will pick one of those families. And then when it picks one of those families, then each home, each you know, family means a large extended family, but then the each extended families are broken down into smaller family units. And then that home will pick one of the men, um, man person by person. And Gvarim literally means men, it seems obvious that it would have been a man, one of the soldiers attacking the city that would have grabbed the booty and not a woman. So um, the, the breakdown of this, you know, singling out the tribe is again <clears throat> uh, going back to the principle of what we said at the beginning of this chapter. And that principle and idea is that, that the collective community is responsible and the closer one is to the source of evil to the to the problem the more responsible one is to fix it first one looks at it doesn't mean necessarily that when someone does something wrong their family and their community is is supposed to is responsible for it but on a certain level there is communal responsibility when a community is corrupt when a community loses its moral values that then they're responsible for the wrongs that are done by the individuals. And this is still God talking to Joshua. He who um, is, is, is caught with the cheirem, with the prohibited items, shall be um, executed by burning. 
everything and everything, all of his property. Because he has um, <coughs> um, uh, he has broken the covenant of God and he did something terrible in Israel. And Joshua got up in the morning and as the tribes uh, passed before the ark, it was indicated that it was Judah the tribe of Judah that was responsible. Then the um, then he took the heads of the families of the extended families of Judah and the family of Zerach was indicated. And then they broke it down. And then Zavdi was <coughs> was the subfamily. Uh, they broke down his home. And it pointed out that Achan was the guilty party. <coughs> One wonders what would have happened had Achan presented himself and admitted his problem beforehand, um, whether or not. But it's clear from the fact that Achan had to be found out by the Ark that, that he was intending on keeping up his ruse and his lie to the last minute. Um, which once Achan knew that there was a problem and that he was the cause of the problem, should he not have stepped forward on his own to admit it? This is a serious flaw on Achan's uh, part, and clearly Achan did not understand the gravity of what he had done. This is verse 19. So Joshua said to Achan, Bini, simna kavod toda. Do honor to the God, the Lord of Israel, and give him thanks. Don't be afraid of me and tell me, please, what it is that you have done. So Yoshua is now finally asking Achan to come forward with, a, um, with an admission. Achan knew now at this point, now that the ark itself had pointed him out as the guilty party, that he's no longer going to get away with it. Finally, he comes forward. By Omar, and he said as follows, Amna, it is true. I have sinned to God, the Lord of Israel, and such and such is what I did. And I saw among the booty, a nice cloak, Achas Tova, um, which, uh, which was a very beautiful cloak. Umasayim Shkolim Kesef, and I saw 200 silver shekels. Ulashon Zohav Echad, and a strap of gold. Chamishim Shkolim Mishkolo, which weighed 50 shekels. Vo'echmedeim, and I desired them. Vo'echachem, and I took them. V'hinam t'munim ba'aretz v'sochali, and I buried them under the ground in my tent. V'hakesef t'achteha, and the silver is underneath those items. Joshua sent messengers by and they ran to his tent. Presumably, they ran before someone could get in there and grab him, or maybe his family would try to hide them in another place. Sure enough, it was all hidden there, including the silver. And they took them out of the tent. And they brought them to Joshua and they placed them out in front of the ark. And Joshua then took Achan, the son of Zerach. <coughs> Here just naming his great-great-grandfather. 
as Ben, as son, because often the descendant is called Ben son, even if it's not a direct son. And the silver and the cloak, and the gold, and his, um, and his children, and his animals, and his tent, and all of his properties, and all the people of Israel with him, and they brought them to the valley of Achor. Achor is, is here is a place name, but it's also uh, whether or not it may have had the name beforehand and then Yeshua chose it because it had this name, but Achor also means to dirty or to sully something. It could also mean to cause trouble or problems. And Achon here is the source of trouble and problems, as we'll see in the next verse 25. Yomer Yoshua and Joshua said, How much have you troubled us? How much have you caused us problems? That's, here's the word, Achor. Just like you have caused us problems, God will cause you problems. And they stoned him, and the people of Israel threw stones at him. Even though the death sentence was for burning, it seems that the people... Uh, were, were just so upset with Achan that they were throwing things at him. In the end, he was executed by fire. And then they stoned them. Now, <coughs> the rabbis um, point out that over here it says, they stoned him in a single language. Um, and so in other words, that it was only him that was put to death, not his family members, although his family members were up there embarrassed and pointed out and ashamed um, in front of everyone. That's how pretty much all the commentaries understand this. One could read this verse to understand that it was his entire family that was executed, but that's not how most, uh, pretty much all of the commentaries understand it, and they point out the cho- choice of the term oso, him, in singular. By Akimu al-Love, again, here it's singular again, which again the commentaries point out that it was only on him that um, that uh, uh, they placed a heap of stones as a commemorative um, memorial, which is there until this day. By Yeshua, and God, uh, his, his anger calmed. This is why this, he called the place name of this place Emek Achar, the Valley of Achar. Here it seems to indicate the, uh, that he just named it the Valley of Troubles. Um, until this day um, as opposed to before where it seemed like um, he chose the place that was already named Emekachar but probably it was used it's probably he named it now but since people at the time of the writing of the book people already knew it as Emekachar that's what he called the, the place name um, I know it's a little long but it was one solid episode so I couldn't really divide it thank you so much for studying chapter 7 Looking forward to studying chapter 8 and, of course, the entire wonderful book of Joshua together.